and interests in health and well-being with different perspectives to bring you a variety of tips and tricks for feeling your best and living a full, healthy life. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Feel Better podcast. Today, I am chatting with Kathy Davis of Veg Inspired. Um, This episode made me so hungry. (laughs) And luckily, she gave us some recipes. So when you listen and you're starving after, you can immediately go either to the grocery store to buy all the ingredients and make the dishes or right down to your pantry because you probably have a lot of this stuff on hand anyway. Uh, Kathy Davis is a plant-based lifestyle and mindset coach, the CEO of Veg Inspired, and the author of three cookbooks, the 30-minute whole food plant-based cookbook, the super easy plant-based cookbook, and the budget-friendly plant-based diet cookbook. Try to say all that three times fast. Um, Love these because 30-minute, super easy, and budget-friendly. I mean, what more could we ask for? That is right up my alley. Kathy empowers high-achieving professionals to eat more plant and leverage the power of food to meet their personal and professional goals because we all know that what you put in your body affects the output. I love that. Kathy has been eating and creating vegan meals for more than eight years. Over the past two and a half years, she shifted her daily habits to follow a whole food plant-based lifestyle. So Kathy actually moved away from strictly vegan and a lot of the vegan processed foods to more of a whole food plant-based lifestyle, which I think is really cool. I too experienced that shift when I realized that a lot of vegan packaged food is really just, it's just processed food. So you're not really getting any value in moving to vegan processed food than you are if you're just eating like non-vegan processed food. It's still processed food. Um, She experienced amazing results, 40-pound weight loss, renewed energy, a newfound sense of joy, and a healthier mind and body. Kathy's brand, Veg Inspired, is dedicated to providing high-achieving professionals and entrepreneurs with the resources to make a similar transformation. She is eager to guide others on their journey so that they may make a more significant impact on the world. Fun fact, Kathy and her husband, John, are living their plant-based dream while simultaneously traveling the United States in an RV with their cat. They've been to 27 states and 19 national parks so far and have a goal to visit all the U.S. national parks. How cool is that? I am curious where the litter box is. (laughs) I had two cats and I always thought like, wow, it'd be so fun to travel across the country, but what do I do with the cats? The dog, that's easy, but... Good for you, Kathy, for having the cat in the RV, too. I love it. Um, Plus, what a cool, like, nomadic lifestyle. That's a dream I have someday, just, like, not having to have roots for a little while and just go as you please. Um, Kathy also provided a freebie for you guys and a recipe for chickpea al pastor tacos, which I need to make immediately. Um, I am so excited because I feel like Kathy gives us some really good, useful, practical tips And I'm hungry now, again, just talking about this. So I'm going to edit this podcast and go eat. (laughs) Enjoy. Excellent. So today I have Kathy from Veg Inspired with us. And Kathy, I love your recipes. I was totally on your Instagram and as a plant-based 
eater myself, but somebody who lacks inspiration sometimes, I was like salivating looking at some of the pictures and the recipes. Um, so I am curious. I know that you were vegan before and I was too, and I'm not anymore. So I'm curious as to how and why you made that tr transition. I, I guess initially, why did you decide to go vegan? And then what made you decide to go plant-based over vegan? Because I think sometimes people are confused as to what the difference is too. So if you can maybe speak to that in terms of your experience a little bit, I think that would be super helpful. Absolutely. Well, first, Kristen, thank you so much for having me on the podcast and for the compliments about our Instagram. We do put a lot of pride into our recipes and we love them to be colorful. So I'm glad that they elicited some salivation for you. Uh, my story is a little bit unique. I actually was super resistant to the idea of going plant-based or vegan. Uh, eight years ago, my husband read a couple of contradictory articles in a magazine and said, I think for health, we really need to check out this plant-based thing. And I was like, you are wrong. I am not doing that. Like I was adamant, like I'm not giving up all my stuff. So if you're listening and you're like, gosh, I don't think I could do it either. That was me. I was terrified. I wouldn't like the food. I didn't eat a lot of a big variety of vegetables. I didn't like beans at the time. There was just a lot of barriers that I felt like I needed to get through. And the, the biggest thing that I can say, the biggest learning curve I had was over the eight month transition that I had from standard American eating to vegan eating eight years ago was to start with familiar foods. We started with sauces made from cashews. We started with, you know, using potatoes as a taco filling and really leveraging the foods we already enjoyed and just eating more of those to crowd out the animal products. And over that, the course of those eight months during that transition, I allowed myself to do more research. I allowed myself to look into the health benefits that the plant-based doctors are, are talking about, the disease reversals, the weight management, and really also allowed myself to look at the animal agriculture industry a little bit more. And so it was June of 2014 when I officially declared myself as a vegan. And for the next five years, I ate pretty close to plant-based, really trying to avoid oil and a lot of processed foods. But I found myself enjoying exploring the restaurants. And as I mentioned earlier, before we turned on the recording, I traveled the United States full-time in an RV. So I'm always in cool cities that have new to me, vegan restaurants. And over the last couple of, I mean, over the last, you know, the end of those five years, I started to notice that my weight was going up because I was eating all these processed vegan foods. I mean, what a time to be alive that you could literally eat vegan at Burger King. Like, I'm not saying that's healthy, yeah. but the more vegan foods, more processed foods that came onto the market, the more I wanted to try them. And I had started veg inspired to really inspire people to eat more plants. And so I wanted to show the brands. I wanted to show all these cool foods and products that people could use. And that just really led me down a path of processed food eating. And so two and a half years ago, I pivoted from vegan processed foods to really cleaning up my diet to eat a clean whole food plant-based, you know, following a whole food plant-based way of eating. And I saw tremendous results, tremendous results. And I, I always tell people like, I'm still an ethical vegan, but I eat a whole food plant-based diet. Like I follow whole food plant-based eating. I eat as close to nature intended and I have never felt my best. And my brother-in-law who hasn't seen us in a couple of years actually said, you look younger now than you looked when I, you know, five years ago when you were on, you know, eating vegan. And I'm like, like, what a compliment. Like, that's amazing. 
Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I have a similar journey years and years ago, I I started on the vegan path and I also was just eating processed vegan foods. Like, wow, I can go to whole foods, which was a new concept at the time. Like the first whole foods in our area and I can get vegan cheese and I can get vegan frozen dinners instead of lean cuisines. And I can get vegan, you know, chips and vegan queso. And then we were making vegan loaded potatoes and nachos and vegan bagels with cream cheese. And it's like, oh, it's vegan. It's healthy, but no, it's not. And it's just processed food with a vegan label, you know? Um, and I, I will say to your point, since I've moved away from, from processed vegan foods and incorporated so many more just whole foods and actual plants, as opposed to quote unquote plant-based, um, my skin looks better. Like it glows. My gut is better. Like my energy levels, everything better. So I can touch that as well, that it makes a big difference. You know, again, processed food is just processed food. (laughs) Right. It really doesn't matter if the processed foods labeled vegan, gluten-free, you know, what made with plants, if it's processed, it's processed. I always tell people like, you'd be better off digging your hand in a bag of trail mix than eating one of those super processed, like made with grains, floured, granola bars that have like sugary fruit puree in the middle, like skip that and eat the whole food. Yeah. It's so true. I always go back to the Oreos are plant-based, you know, like anything with corn syrup is (laughs) plant-based, but we know they're not healthy. Oh God. No. Um, so when you were kind of moving to more of a plant-based diet, what other health benefits did you notice? So your skin, obviously, you know, you've got family members saying like, I can see a difference, but what did you feel not only physically, but mentally? That's, that's an excellent question. And I touched upon these tremendous benefits, but didn't really articulate them. So to describe how I was feeling two and a half years ago, I would say lethargic, uninspired, Um, I wouldn't classify myself as depressed, but really just uninspired to do anything. I didn't have the energy. I was starting to show all the biomarkers of prediabetes, which that runs, runs in my family, probably because the way we eat runs in our family. And I was extremely overweight for my height. I mean, I was, I was at my highest weight ever. And that was really the pivot moment. I had stepped on the scale to weigh Uh, one of our cats to report their weight to our veterinarian to get medication. And I was, I did the math and I was like, wait, I'm the one that weighs the most, not, uh uh-oh, like I'm at my highest weight. I have to do something about it. And I keep touching on this, like traveling in an RV, but our goal is to visit all of the national parks in the United States. I want to be able to do them. I want to be able to hike them. I want to be able to, to bike ride. I want to be able to explore. And at that weight and that energy level, I never would have been able to. So I've seen over 40 pounds, almost 50 pounds of weight loss, changing the way that I eat it, an extreme increase in energy. I was I authored three plant-based cookbooks in the last year and a half, you know, all of this energy and this inspiration and just this mind clarity. And honestly, I'm just, I'm so happy. I told, I was talking to my clients the other day and I said, you know, one of the biggest wins that I've had is that I finally wake up in the morning as a person who eats whole food, plant-based. It's no longer something I have to try. It's no longer something I have to will myself to do. I literally wake up as 
that version of me. And when you start to think about what that means, like it's a lifestyle. I crave plant-based foods. I'm excited to make those beautiful recipes that I share on Instagram. I'm excited to share this life-changing experience with my community and my clients. And that's so inspired. And, and it's really just given me the, the energy and the longevity and the vitality to be able to, to set goals and achieve them. And that's, that's what I want to help people do is just create that ripple effect where they feel better and they help other people and other people feel better. And it just creates this amazing ripple effect in the world. Yeah. I love that. And it goes so far beyond food. The things that you're touching on are not about what you're eating necessarily. It's about the way that you feel about life. It starts with what you're putting in your mouth, but you're reaping the benefits of a life changing way of eating. And that's incredible. I love that. one decision, right? One decision changed my entire life. One decision in Daytona beach, Florida, after Thanksgiving, two and a half years ago, literally changed my entire life. I've hiked at Glacier national park, Bryce Canyon national park, big Bend national park on trails. I never would have been able to complete 40 pounds heavier ever. Incredible. It opened you up to so many different opportunities and experiences that you wouldn't have had. What was your life like before all of this? I do want to talk about like the actual foods that you're eating, but I first want to kind of go back a little bit. You know, you're traveling in an RV for the last four years. You've changed your life. You see things in a different perspective. Who were you before all of this? Gosh, you know, I thought I was inspired then. I mean, I loved, I loved my RV life. I mean, it was amazing, but my goals then were to show people how easy it is to eat vegan or eat plant-based and that I spent a lot of time sharing other products, spent a lot of time sharing vegan restaurants instead of really harnessing the benefits of eating plant-based. And I I've been looking through some pictures recently to share, you know, just some, just some imagery and some like painting the picture of who I was. And a lot of the pictures of me before were me on the couch with the cats, me sitting in a chair by a campfire. Like there weren't pictures of me doing things because we weren't doing things. We were going to restaurants. Like I have a lot of pictures of me holding up a big vegan cheeseburger with a big plate of fries in front of it. And I just think back and I think, gosh, if I had known then, and the sad thing is, is I knew, I mean, I, we started this way of eating for health to eat plant-based. We weren't even thinking of going vegan, but the animal ag industry just kind of pushes you that way. Cause once you know, you can't unknow, but I just think of like, I remember one day very vividly, I was sitting on the couch and I said to my husband, I should get up and film a recipe video, but I'm too tired. Mm. And that is not how I talk to myself anymore. Like there's no shoulds. It's just, we're going to do this because it helps other people. It it's life changing. And I think I spent a lot of time shutting and a lot of time, you know, just really trying to try to get that energy and that inspiration because I knew the benefits of plant-based eating. I just wasn't experiencing them because I'd eat, been eating so many processed foods. Yeah. That's so interesting. You, I, I saw something and talking about the shooting and how we, we kind of shame ourselves in a way you mentioned something on one of your posts about the shame around healthy eating and making healthy choices. And I see that and it's really unfortunate. And I wanted to ask you to kind of speak on that a little bit more. You know, there is this 
this veil of shame that I think is put on people when they're making healthy choices. And I don't know if that's because it's triggering the individual or if it's kind of, you know, they're projecting, what are your thoughts on that? Cause I, I do think that's unfortunate when people who are making healthy lifestyle choices to better themselves are shamed by friends, by family, by social media. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Absolutely. So one of this stems a lot from my personal experiences. I was a yo-yo dieter my whole life. I always tell people like I was a short stout cousin. Like I was always a little bit pudgier, a little bit overweight, a little bit more endowed, you know? And, um, I always lived in that, like, Oh, we probably shouldn't have another cookie backs to the backing to the shoulds. And when I, when I embraced stepping into a whole food plant-based I'm going to say diet for way of eating. But when I really embraced that two and a half years ago, we were getting ready to go to Key West, which if you've ever been, it's like an adult, adult Disney world. Like it's just lots of chaos, lots of bars open till late night, lots of restaurants. Like, you know, if you're, if you're there and you're like doing it as a vacation, there's a lot of things that don't align with these whole food plant-based goals. And I remember saying to my husband, oh my gosh, but they have key lime, vegan key lime cheesecake. Like I don't want to not have that. And he said to me, and I, this changed my entire, I think this statement changed my entire outlook on everything. He said, it's not about what we do once in a while. It's about what we do every day, day in and day out habits that we're building. And I remember thinking I can do that. I can make habits that are not diet based. And that was such a shift, you know, going into this way of eating two and a half years ago, I was thinking I'm eating for weight loss. I'm eating for weight loss. I even have a whole series on YouTube eating for weight loss. And it was in the beginning a diet, but as I started to embrace it, it became a lifestyle. And what I think, you know, my own experiences, my own, probably things I've said in the past to people, like we're programmed almost to believe that when somebody grabs an apple instead of a cookie, they're on a diet, but honestly, maybe they just want an apple. Maybe they don't like that kind of cookie. Maybe that cookie has raisins in it and they don't even like it. Or maybe they aren't, don't want chocolate that, you know, we, we become this, we become these people who are like, oh, you should have a cookie. Oh, you can just splurge. Oh, it's no big deal. It's just one day. But what if I don't want that? And that was something that I really had to start to accept is I don't have to listen to other people's diet culture. And because I truly believe that it's their paradigm, it's their collection of beliefs around food. And the sad thing is, is that you can talk to children and you can hear phrases that come out of their parents' mouths about food and about diet and about the way we eat. Oh, I should save room for the cupcake. I should save calories for the cupcake. I, you know, like it's all of these diet culture phrases. And one of the big things that I teach in my academy and in my community is it's not a diet. It's about becoming the version of you that wants the apple. And once you reach that point, nothing can stop you because you go into every decision aligned with your goals. You go into every decision as that new version of you. That's like, I want the apple or I want the cookie and whatever I want doesn't matter because it's just a one-time thing. It's not a new habit. And I think until we get out of this, shaming each other for the, for our food choices, 
we're going to continue to build these diet paradigms. And let's be honest, the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry that only wins if you keep failing. Mm -hmm. So until you pivot the way you think about eating and really start to create healthy relationships around food. You're just feeding into the diet culture that they want you to continue to feed into. I mean, I always tell my clients like diet culture teaches you to fail because they teach you to cheat. We don't cheat in, in our lifestyle. We just eat what we feel like eating and day in and day out. That's whole plant foods. Yeah. I love that. They only win if you fail. It's so true. I mean, I always, I always say, Similarly, if it worked, they'd be out of business. That would be the end of the story. We'd all be healthy. It worked and, you know, move on with your life. That's not the case. Um, you know, there was a, a, an instance recently that you reminded me of, and I was having, we had an event with coworkers and there was a churro cart and there was ice cream and there was pizza. And I, like you believe in consistent choices and that one salad won't make you thin, just like one piece of pizza won't make you gain 20 pounds or an unhealthy person or give you diabetes or whatever. It's what you do every day that matters. But within two seconds, in order to play my part, if you will, in the diet culture narrative and be a part of the team, I immediately went into the conversation of, oh my gosh, I'm totally not having dinner tonight. Like I don't normally eat this, but I did. So now I need to go to the gym after this. And it just became that normal conversation that happens amongst women primarily. And I was driving home thinking, I can't believe I did that. I don't believe that. I don't subscribe to that. And so easily I perpetuated that narrative because it's so normal and natural. And it felt I was afraid, I think, subconsciously to make other people feel uncomfortable by not playing that part. And we need to break that. So I love that you're sharing that and that that's your message, because I think it's so important for people to remember that you don't have to like be a part of that club. There isn't misery, you know, in company. And I think it's just so easy because that's the way we were brought up. That's how we were raised. That's what we see on TV. That's what we saw in movies. It's just so no quote unquote normal. It's what's accepted and it's what's taught in diet, in, in diet culture. I mean, every diet has gifted us the ability to cheat. And I'm putting air quotes around the word cheat because they're, they're creating the habit of cheating. It, that's not what it's about. It's about living every day, every choice with intention. Do you want the apple? Do you want the cookie? Like what is the intentional choice? you're making. And, and, you know, I, I won't even, I won't, like you said, like subscribing to that culture. Like I don't even allow my clients to use those words. Like I will recorrect them in a, in a minute, but I don't recorrect my family. And it's interesting how those certain paradigms, those certain habits that you have with family really can lead to the, the version of you that, that they know. And like for us, right. We don't see our family every week we see them once a once a couple once in a once a couple months once a year depending on where we travel and so they don't even know the version of us that doesn't eat oil that doesn't eat the vegan processed foods a lot of times and so it's very challenging to navigate that space because it's almost like am i reverting back to my old habits or am i standing in the conviction of my now my version of me right now 
Love that. I love that. So what does a day of eating look like for you? I like to get into specifics. Like what do you do when you eat? When do you eat when you wake up in the morning? Do you intermittent fast? Do you eat right away? What do you have for lunch? Do you have snacks in between? What do the snacks look like? What's dinner? Tell us like the details. And then I want to talk specifics like recipes and staples and how to ensure that you're set up to, you know, have convenience foods. Cause I think timing is also a big factor. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm really the believer of following one course and, and making that kind of your, the parameters that you follow. So I follow the starch solution, high carb, low fat. That's, that's what I really subscribe to really listen into. Of course, there's little nuances of each of other plant-based doctors that I follow. And I work with clients that follow all of, all of any of the plant-based doctors or frameworks, depending on their health needs or uh, medical concerns. So for me, it's really about eating when I'm hungry. And I'd love to say that I eat all of the amazing things I post on Instagram every day, but I am a super simple, I'm a super, super simple lady. I'm really busy. I've run veg inspired full time. I have a coaching arm of that business. I authored the cookbooks. Like I'm constantly in social and connecting with people. And so I'm pretty busy. So my morning usually starts with a cup of green tea and then a cup of coffee. I do a lot of, um, self-care meditation, journaling, uh, work like that in the morning. I do. I really find that that sets my day off to really lean into, uh, the version of me that I'm becoming and that I want to become and helps me just set up my goals for the day. I usually eat breakfast around 10 and it's always some type of oatmeal, whether it's warm or overnight oats, or my favorite is a very simple, I call it the veg inspired oat bowl. And it's, I eat, this is how much I put in. Uh, my husband uses a larger scoop of, of oatmeal. Yeah. Um, so it's the veg inspired oatmeal. And I start with a half a cup of oatmeal. My husband uses a cup of oatmeal. So you can vary that based on your, your caloric needs for the day. Um, and I put in a little bit of plant milk to kind of cover the amount of oats, some blueberries and strawberries, fresh or frozen work, a dash of ground flax a little bit of maple syrup to sweeten it. Sometimes I'll add in a dash of vanilla. Sometimes I'll add in some date sugar, a dash of cinnamon, but I just let that sit on the counter for about an hour if the, if the berries are frozen and maybe a half an hour if they're not so that the oats can soak up all the plant milk and it becomes this really delicious oat bowl, but it doesn't have to be made the night before. And that's what I always tell people. You don't have to make the oatmeal oat bowl the night before you can just let it sit on the counter that day. So I love that for breakfast. And you're not cooking them. They're raw. They're raw, 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 old fashioned oats. Okay. I didn't realize that that quickly they could soften with like the milk. I, I just assumed it had to be overnight. So you can essentially make overnight oats in the morning. Correct. <laughs> and doing your morning routine. Definitely. And it really sustains you because the oats haven't really started to break down. So it, for me, it really satiates, it satiates me for several hours. So I don't need a snack in the morning typically. Right. It's very filling. Yeah. And then my lunch is always some version of starch and salad, something like baked sweet potatoes with black beans, and then a big salad on the side, perhaps brown rice with roasted broccoli. So that would be my salad for the day. So it's uh, basically a starch on one side of the plate and a 
load of veggies on the other side. And then I just rotate that. I rotate different sauces. I might do a tahini sauce with some tahini water, garlic, and lemon juice. I might do a barbecue sauce. I like organic barbecue sauce because they use organic cane sugar instead of high fructose corn syrup. So just knowing those little tweaks that I do. And then dinner is usually a recipe from one of my cookbooks typically simple. I love tacos. We often do tacos. My husband has perfected making corn tortillas. I bought him a tortilla crust for Christmas. He's perfected it. I ask for tortillas and tacos a lot because of that. And they're very simple. It's, um, masa and water. And then he does the, all the making of the tortillas and cooking them. So that's always exciting and fun for us. And then yeah, it's really fun. And then snacks Wait, are typically, this. <laughs> okay, we're going back to the tortillas. It's simple. Like you can do this at home. You can get a little corn tortilla press and it's just mixing like literally the masa, the water, and then rolling it out. I would say simple. It sounds simple, but the technique comes in the cooking of the tortilla because in order to get that light, fluffy tortilla that we often find at a Mexican restaurant or that you purchase, there's a technique that allows it to puff a little and then you flip it. And so it can be very simple, but there's a technique involved and he's now perfected that technique. Very cool. I need to get my husband on this. (laughs) That sounds amazing. Okay. That was just, I have never even thought of doing that at home. And I always, I love Mexican food. I love tacos. I could eat tacos every day, but I'm always like, Oh, I don't want all the tortillas. And it's just like, doesn't, doesn't make me feel good, especially when you're buying them. And then like the Siete ones, yeah, they're fine, like ingredient wise, but they taste like crap and they fall apart. And it's like just more frustrating for me than anything. So I need to look into that. So thank you for that tip. Um, what are you putting in them? So I think you said like sweet potatoes, black beans, all things that sound delicious. What else are you putting in your tacos? I, we have a veg inspired taco filling that is bulgur and lentil based. And if you are gluten-free, you can use quinoa and it's my mother-in-law makes it with a clean taco, spice, taco seasoning packet, but we actually cut up the onion and use cumin and coriander and the spices and mix it together. That's one of our favorites. And then in my super easy plant-based cookbook, I have a recipe for chickpea El Pastor tacos, and they are super easy. You throw chickpeas, pineapple, and onions on a sheet pan, and you roast those ingredients. And then in the meantime, you make a little cilantro, onion, pineapple salsa. And then you just serve those on tortillas for this. Well, you mix them with spices, the, the, chickpeas, the pineapple and the onion, you mix with spices, liquid aminos and some uh, cumin, coriander spices, lime juice. And then you serve those on a tortilla shell and they're, they're super easy. They're so delicious. They're a one pan, one pot sheet pan meal. And they're one of our favorites and they're so easy. That sounds delicious. And I want to make that tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I love that chickpeas. I, I feel like they're so versatile. I'd use chickpeas in chocolate chip cookies, like it's literally just chickpeas and peanut butter and a few other things, um, making hummus. But I love that. Even like chickpeas as a tuna, quote, like an alternative for like tuna on some sourdough bread. Oh, that sounds so good. Um, how did you come into your recipe making? Or do you have any training as a chef? Is this something that you taught yourself? How did this come about? 
it was learned. Uh, my aunt always jokes like, here you are with three cookbooks. And when I graduated college, I probably couldn't even boil an egg. <laughs> my husband loves to cook. He's, he self-taught himself. And I was always in the kitchen. That was one of our favorite pastimes was cooking together. And I just learned. And with the experience of creating different recipes, using family recipes and turning them vegan and then further turning them whole food plant-based and just experimenting with different flavors. I, in textures, I really started to get a hang of how certain foods could create a textural or taste experience. And one of my pro tips, and people always balk at this, but nutritional yeast when used in a small amount can actually have a buttery flavor. So I always add a dash of nutritional yeast to soups to give it that nostalgic chicken broth flavor. And it really works every time people are always like, I don't want it to taste cheesy. And I said, well, don't use too much of it. Just use a dash, just a little bit. A really good tip. We put nutritional yeast on my son's pasta, but he has that with ghee butter as well. So he's getting double, <laughs> he's getting the cheesy and the butter, but that's interesting. I never thought about that. Just a dash to mimic the butter flavor. That's a good tip, especially for people who are just like, oh, I just missed that. You know, like you said, the nostalgia of chicken noodle soup um, and just having like the veggies in that. What are some staples? Like when you are restocking at the grocery store or if somebody is just trying to kind of revamp their pantry and their kitchen, I know I always have certain things like liquid aminos and chickpeas. What are your staples and what do you always have on hand to just kind of whip things together quickly? As far as pantry ingredients that I use I would say frequently, I always have miso. I always have liquid aminos, soy sauce, or coconut aminos. I always have nutritional yeast. I always have uh, vinegars and citrus juice. I actually buy lemon and lime juice in glass jars, uh, the cold pressed organic or the organic lemon and lime juice, because I use it so frequently to brighten up a salad, mix with an herb, add to beans, um, add to soups, just different ways to, to leverage some flavor and trying to avoid as much salt. So the vinegars and the citrus can help brighten up a dish and you, you need less salt. Um, as far as pantry staples for eating and meals, I always have oats. I always have canned beans and dried beans. I always have rice. I always rebuy potatoes. I always buy salad mixings, greens or spinach, carrots, onions, radishes, cucumbers when they're in season, tomatoes. We always buy the grape tomatoes because they are, they are fresher and have a better flavor year round. And you don't have to have half of a tomato laying around. You can actually portion out the, the pint and use what you need for that day. Uh, let's see, always have frozen berries on hand, always have either an unsweetened soy milk or the unsweetened Elmhurst milks. We typically find the cleanest options that have one or two ingredients, usually whatever they've milked. So nuts or soy and water are the ingredients that we're looking for. We try to avoid um, plant milks that have a lot of fillers. That's just our preference and where we are in our journey. But if the only thing you can find is a soy milk from the refrigerated section, go for it because that's better for you 100% than dairy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just got an almond cow. So we've been making 
our own milk. Although we don't really do almonds, we'll do walnuts and macadamia nuts a lot because they're just creamier. So I, I love that. And we don't have to worry about all the gums and things like that. But to your point, there's some really good alternatives now. Like I think milk is a really good one, M-A-L-K that just has water and, and the nuts. Um, how do you manage to, to find the things that you like to cook with and that you like to eat while you're traveling so much? Like I'm such a creature of habit in my grocery store. I know exactly where everything is and what I'm going for and where to find it. And you're traveling so much for other people who maybe aren't familiar with that section of their store or even what store they can buy these things. How do you, how do you manage to stay consistent and find everything that you need? Absolutely. It was a challenge in the beginning. And I'll say that since going from vegan to whole food plant-based, it's become a lot easier because we don't, we aren't looking for alternatives. We're looking for beans, rice, oats, potatoes, the produce section, tofu, and then those odder ingredients. I'm going to call them odd because they're, they're things that I didn't, I didn't cook with before I went plant-based. Um, things like miso, you can often find that in the, either the refrigerated section or the ethnic section. I actually am in a pretty small town here in New York right now. And they had miso in the ethnic section of their store. And when in a pinch, I'll order from Amazon and have it shipped to whatever campground we're staying in. Um, so that works really well. But that was a, it was a big challenge when we first left because we had specific processed foods that we loved. And, you know, will this store have the vegan cheese we love? Or will we be able to get the veggie burger that we love? And now that we're whole food plant-based, it's really, can we get the quantity of organic vegetables that we want. Will we have, will this store have enough of a variety of the organic veggies that we use? Will they have tofu? You know, we've been in some little towns where they only had one pat, one type of tofu. And that's very unique when you're used to cooking with silken tofu and tempeh. And, you know, maybe I can't find organic soybeans or organic edamame. And just those, those, they don't seem odd ingredients to us, but it really depends on where we are. And then the other challenge that we've found with whole food plant-based is often the Ezekiel products. So we rely on the Ezekiel English muffins to use as, you know, for our veggie burger buns and um, the bread. If we're making sandwiches, we use a lot of Ezekiel products, the tortillas we really like from Ezekiel if we're not making our own. And we'll typically stock up on those when we find them in a store because they're not as prevalent around the country as we, you know, had hoped they would be when we first hit the road. Yeah. And then you can just freeze them, I'm sure. Yeah. Because they come frozen. So we'll just throw them in a freezer. Something that you kind of brought to mind when talking about, you know, stocking up and things like that is I, I so often hear people say, I can't afford all those health foods. I can't afford organic. Like, yeah, if I want to spend my whole paycheck at whole foods, blah, 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 all the excuses, but you kind of alluded to this in a way it's the processed foods that are going to cost you. It's not the real food. It's not the organic sweet potato or the organic bunch of spinach or the, you know, bag of, of bulgur or quinoa. It's the vegan cheese and the veggie burgers and the processed beyond meat and impossible meat and all that stuff. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Cause I'm sure you have plenty of experience and I'm sure your clients bring that excuse to you um, every now and then. So how do you kind of uh, show clients and, and those kind of 
creating the same recipes, that that is not in fact the case at all. In fact, I think it could probably be less expensive in a way. That's actually what we found is we found it that when you use whole foods, whole plant foods, it's much less expensive. It's more budget friendly because you're able to get more servings out of the foods you're buying. A bag of dried black beans is four cans of beans. I can make eight black bean burgers out of two cans. So that means I could make 16 black bean burgers out of a bag of dried beans. But if I wanted to buy plant-based burgers, even, you know, whether it's the beyond burger or a whole food plant-based burger that doesn't have oil, that has recognizable ingredients, you're looking at, you know, four or $5, a serving, right? It might be eight or $10 for a package of two. That's a significant savings, but what doesn't cost you in money may cost you in time. And so it's really about looking at, you know, the whole picture and saying to yourself, I have the time right now to cook these black beans and make eight burgers and then freeze the six that I'm not going to use or make 16 and freeze the 10 that I'm not going to use and just have six out because you're bought, you'd be buying a frozen burger in the grocery store anyway. So looking at ways that you can leverage the cost effectiveness of this way of eating. The other big thing I tell people is check the dirty dozen list. I prefer organic food. When I can buy organic food, that's my preference. I do have some non-negotiables where I will really tend not to lean towards non-organic, but if that's, if it's cost effective and the choice is organic sweet potatoes versus non-organic sweet potatoes, and you don't eat the skin anyway. And the other option is that you're going to buy a sweet potato lean cuisine, right? Obviously the whole sweet potato on its own is much healthier than that lean cuisine, you know, four for $7 or whatever the two for $7 or whatever the price is when they put them on special. So look at ways that you can, you know, tweak how you're eating so that you can really eat the, the unprocessed versions. And I tell clients all the time, that's great that you found a, a, an option that, that works for you. Does it work for you all the way around? is the convenience okay with your budget? Like I'm all about convenience too. I like to buy pre-washed vegetables and pre-cut fruit and things of that nature, canned beans. But if you're coming to me with the excuse that you don't have the money, is there a way that you can get put in some time so that you can spend less at the grocery store and make it more budget friendly? Yeah. And it's just a little bit of intentional planning. It's not where you need to spend all day on Sunday meal prepping and chopping and cooking. It's just a little bit of foresight into what you're going to be eating for the rest of the week that can go such a long way. Do you sprout? Do you, um, so when you're buying like the dried black beans, for example, you've got a bag of black beans that can yield four cans worth. Do you soak them overnight? How do you use them? We actually cook them in our instant pot unsoaked but we cook them with a pinch of kelp granules to help soften the skin and aid with digestion. Where do you get kelp granules? Usually in the ethnic section of the grocery store, you can put in a piece of kombu, a small piece of kombu or dulse flakes or any of those, that's those sea vegetables, but just a little bit of that helps to soften the exterior of the bean, the dried bean. And then as it cooks, it gets creamier on the inside. And then the combo, the sea vegetables also help aid in digestion. So if you're reluctant to eat beans due to gassiness or bloating, a pinch of kelp granules can go a long way. And they don't, uh, again, 
hear me when I say a pinch. <laughs> it doesn't have to taste like the sea. Although I did have a client that was like, oh, I put in a tablespoon. I was like, oh my gosh, do they taste like the ocean? She said it made the best tuna, it made the best chickpea tuna ever. And I just laughed because obviously with the tablespoon, I'm talking about a pinch, like yeah. literally a pinch. So it was funny. So she wanted the fishy flavor anyway. So it was perfect. <laughs> it worked out really well. <laughs> So I could use, I have like a bag of dulce, dulce flakes that I kind of will put on top of a salad or something. You could use a pinch of that in place of like a kelp granule. That's good. To, I love that. Um, otherwise you can just soak them overnight in a bowl of water, right? 24, 12 hours, 24 hours. Something, I think it's between 24 and 18, but, but a lot of times we're, if we don't have that intentional planning, yeah. we're in the moment and think, oh, I'm going to have beans in two hours for dinner. What am I can't cook them now? I, I guess I'll just eat whatever the kids are eating. And then you're off track another day. Whereas if you can just make it happen in two hours that, yeah, it takes that intentional planning out a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that. Um, what is your go-to favorite meal? My favorite meal, the meal that I tell people, you can eat it in a hotel, you can eat it in an RV, you can eat it while you're driving down the road is some type of cooked rice. Now, oftentimes, if you're really in a pinch, you can get those pre-cooked or um, quick cooking rice. You can get rice in the freezer. It literally takes minutes in the microwave if you use that. So rice, a can of black beans, pico and guac from the produce section and a handful of greens. You can do that. You can eat that in a hotel. You have no excuse, right? Because most hotels have some type of way for you to heat up rice. You could go to the grocery store that day, buy those little containers, make yourself a a rice burrito bowl and not have to eat out. So that's my favorite. That's a great tip. I was going to ask you some of your, your travel tips as well for, you know, staying consistent while you're traveling. That is a great tip. We were just traveling. We were in Florida and we were in a bunch of different places, a hotel, and then my mom's house and then an Airbnb. And it's like trying to find not only the grocery stores that I, where I can pick up things and do I have a micro, do I have places to make them? But like, how can you stay? Cause I want to feel good when I travel. Like it's not like a travel or vacation becomes like one ultimate cheat meal. And I think people are, you know, misunderstand the idea of like letting loose and having fun sometimes. And they come back feeling like shit because they ate terribly and they drank a lot of alcohol and maybe they were on a plane where their intestines are now blown up and deflated and there's bloating and constipation and anxiety and weight gain and all of that. So I love that you are living the travel. Like you're literally in a different place regularly, but you're still able to maintain that consistency. So that's, that rice bowl is a great tip. What are some other tips you have for people who are traveling to stay consistent and to kind of put things together easily? My, my biggest tip for people who are traveling is to plan ahead. And I don't mean that you have to sketch out every single meal and, and, you know, have a box of things you're bringing, but really look at ways that you can eat as close to your intended goals as possible. If you always eat oatmeal for breakfast, don't change it on vacation and eat something else so that you start your day feeling like crap. You know, maybe you, maybe you make your oatmeal bowl into, I did this once into little baggies and I had my oats and my cinnamon and my ground flax. And then when I got to the destination, I bought a bag of, I mean, a container of plant milk, um, some maple syrup. Cause I was flying. I didn't want to have that. And then, um, 
some fresh berries and I could just make those in the, in the hotel or at the, at the Airbnb where I was staying. If you're driving, make ahead some, some snacks for the car. I love to make picnic style salads. So pasta salads, macaroni salads, using plant-based ingredients or plant-based dressings and lots of veggies, and then portion them out. So you can grab them and eat them at the, at the uh, rest stop or eat them, you know, while somebody's driving or, you know, make sandwiches. We, we travel a lot to the national parks too. And sometimes the drive to those parks is an hour and we'll make overnight oats to eat when we get there. And then we'll have maybe TLAT sandwiches all wrapped up in parchment paper that we can eat. You know, we pack fruit, we pack vegetables that have been cut up as snacks, like really start to think about ways that you can just eat more plants so that you're turning to the plant-based snack or the plant-based option instead of going to the vending machine or going into the gas station. Like I'm a kid on a road trip. And if I'm let loose in a gas station, I'm like, look, they have Oreos. Look, they have vegan oh. Twizzlers. Look, they have Larry and Lenny cookies. Should we get those? And my husband's like, we don't eat this. And I'm like, oh yeah, we're right. We don't. I don't know why it's like I resort back to road trip life. And I'm like, oh, I should get a pop. I don't even drink pop. Like, that's just funny that we get back to this. Oh, we're in a gas station at the rest area. I should buy something. And if you just have something in the, in the car, the cooler that you really enjoy, you know, one of the tips that I have is make sure that the foods that you plan and that you bring really light you up. If that means splurging a little bit of money on fresh strawberries or, you know, buying those sugar snap peas from the local farm stand or getting a watermelon and cutting it up, really make sure that the things you bring for yourself light you up. And that's always a tip too, for social situations. If you are going to a picnic or a party and you know that they're serving burgers and that's real, that was a hangup for me. I loved burgers. I loved going out to a restaurant and getting a burger and fries. It was just my thing. If you know you're going to these parties that are going to have foods that make you miss it, plan to bring your version that lights you up. Maybe it's a special roll, but maybe you splurge on a pretzel bun that day, or maybe it's, you know, a special veggie burger that you make and share with other people, but really make sure that you, you bring foods that are going to satisfy you both physically satiating wise and mentally, because there's nothing worse than watching people eat food that you used to love while you're snacking on a peanut butter sandwich, like really be intentional about the foods that you bring, especially in social situations, which tend to be more difficult for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's breaking those old habits too. And remembering who you are today. I think what you said about being in a gas station and being in those situations that bring you back to that person you were back then is to like, check yourself for a minute and be like, Oh wait, I don't, I don't even like pop. I don't like combos. Like I feel like crap. If I eat sour patch kids, why would I put that in my body just because I'm here and same, you know, for being at a barbecue or a birthday party, there's cake. Everybody's eating cake. I'll find myself thinking I like, Oh, maybe I'll have some cake. And then I'm like, wait, I don't like cake. I don't even like cake. Why am I going to try to eat this just to eat it? Because I'm here. Like, so I think it's important to remember like who you are, you know, you're not that kid in the gas station. You're you today. Um, exactly. But what do you enjoy and making sure that you have those things on hand so that you're still having fun. Um, I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. What is your ultimate favorite food? Not favorite meal, but like your favorite food. I would say strawberries is my favorite food. Nice farm, fresh and warm. They taste yep. like summer. <laughs> the CSA has them. The local organic farm has them right now. And we all have a flat coming tomorrow and I am counting down the 
the minutes okay. till I can put those fresh strawberries in my mouth. They're my favorite. And it's such a small window of time. Ugh. They taste like summer, like just at their perfect peak ripeness. I love that. We had a neighbor when I was little, Jack and Norma, and they had a backyard with a little strawberry vine and we would run over and eat them. And they would be like, you ate, that's all of them. You ate them all. We're like, we did. It was summer. They were warm. Um, what is your favorite song? Uh, Hell of a View by Eric Church. It, okay. it's, it always seems to be playing when my husband and I are in a place and so it brings back all these memories of all the travels that we've done. And so we always say like, we're standing on the edge, yeah. but, you know, most people don't do what we get to do. So that's our, that's our favorite song. What is your favorite book or resource? Oh gosh. There's so, I have so many. So childhood favorite book was to kill a mockingbird. So anybody out there that loves that it's I'm, I'm here for that. But the thing that I turn to the, I have two that I turn to the most right now. One is think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. And two is the, the starch solution by Dr. McDougall. Okay. That's interesting. I've heard a lot about Napoleon Hill. And I think in fact, a few of his books are on my Amazon wish list. I need to get on that. If you were on a deserted Island, what are three things that you would want to have with you? I'm such a, I'm such a, a nerd. I would want my mascara. I know. Oh. I don't know why, but I love, I, I don't put anything else on. I put mascara on. Mm. Um, I would love to bring some sparkling water <laughs> And then for practicality, probably some potatoes. <laughs> that sounds good. Maybe the potatoes were growing there and you would have one extra item. <laughs> ooh, ooh, probably beans, probably chickpeas. Cause you could make anything out of a chickpea. Yeah, That's great. I love that. Mascara. That's perfect. Um, where can everyone find you? So I'm definitely going to go look up some of your cookbooks. I feel like I need to plan out like the next week of eating based on some of the things that you've mentioned. So thank you for that. Where can everyone find your three cookbooks and your Instagram website, everything? How can they get in touch with you? Awesome. Well, you mentioned my Instagram. I'm super active. I do manage my own Instagram at veg inspired. I'd love to connect. If you heard me on the podcast, definitely let me know. And then I actually have a free gift for your followers. Okay. I, I know that this can be such a, a rough start, especially if you have kids and a family. So I put together a meal plan of recipes. The whole family will love they're easy. They're plant-based. They're fun. They use common ingredients that everybody can love. And you can find that at veginspired.com slash podcast. Oh, perfect. So veginspired.com slash podcast. And I'll actually send you the link to the, um, chickpea El Pastor tacos, because we did publish that from the cookbook onto veginspired.com. So we'll send that over as well. So you can put that in the show notes. If you do oh, that. Fabulous. I love that. I'm excited. I'm going to try that. I need to go tell my husband what he needs to go to the store and get <laughs> one more tortilla. Game. Tortilla press is number one. He needs to watch YouTube videos and learn the technique first. <laughs> Thank you so much. I know the listeners are going to love those recipes. I'm always getting questions like what's easy. What can I make? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have time to tell you all the things to make. So Kathy can tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. I love to help. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here. I appreciate your time. And this was just so valuable. I think there's so many good takeaways and I'm excited for everyone to listen and get some practical tips and advice. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Kristen. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to rate and review and also follow along on Instagram at holistic.w.kristen and I will see you soon.